0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to Part 2 of Acute Processes of the Stomach. We showed you some really interesting cases in Part 1, and I have a lot more to show you. We spoke about gastritis, the fact that it can be due to many different causes, and I showed you some very nice examples of peptic ulcer disease. I showed you some very nice examples of wall thickening, both from malignancy and non-malignant conditions. I showed you ulcerations. I showed you some of the value of coronal imaging and cinematic rendering. Now, the point about malignant from benign ulcers is a challenge and it's a challenge in endoscopy as well and it's often just the pathologist who makes the diagnosis. Again extreme wall thickening I showed you a case before makes it more likely malignancy more adenopathy more likely malignancy if you saw a liver lesion it's more likely malignant as well. With gastritis one of the things to remember again from the uh, protocol perspective if the stomach's not distended, you can overcall the presence of gastritis, or you really don't look at the stomach carefully. If it's not well distended, you just kind of blow it off. Also made the point, and we'll speak about a few cases at the very end, about the presence of air in the gastric wall, which is a unique type of gastritis called emphyseminous gastritis. We also spoke about the fact that malignancies of the stomach are not uncommon, particularly in certain areas like Japan. And the ability to detect early disease would become very important. The presence of picking up gastric wall thickening or small ulcerations may be critical in allowing you to make that diagnosis. And again, proper technique becomes very, very important. Now we mentioned that when you have um, gastric outlet obstruction, there are a number of possibilities. One is a primary gastric cancer or metastasis, But there are many things a benign ulcer can cause gastric outlet obstruction a patient with a benign tumor like a lipoma obstructing you can have a process in the duodenum even sma syndrome backs up the duodenum with then backs up the stomach and you have a gastric outlet type appearance Now, in terms of findings in the stomach, here's a beautiful example of thickened gastric folds. And yes, when you look at the gastric folds, particularly on the coronal view, you could say, how do I know it's not lymphoma if the patient had pancreatic lesions? Could this be Zollinger-Ellison? And one of the key things, of course, is the overlap of what gastric pathology could be. When I see prominent gastric folds like this, I'm gonna say it looks like gastritis and inflammation, But you know you're gonna do endoscopy to make sure you don't have an occult malignancy. There's no way in looking at these images I can tell you for sure this is a benign process. Even with the cinematic, there's wall thickening, and if someone said there was an infiltrating adenocarcinoma, you would say absolutely. It also shows you nicely on the CT, particularly with the rendering, the ability to see the thickened gastric folds, which in this case, mainly in the fundus, Extending a bit into the body, but not into the antrum. So again, looking very carefully, you could define extent of disease. And here's just a few more of those cinematic rendered views. Cinematic rendering, we published an article, Steve Rowland, the you, myself. Using this in the stomach, Um, when you look at these images, it's a surprise we don't use it more frequently because it really does give you the ability to look at the fold pattern. I think if you distended the stomach with air, gave IV contrast and did cinematic rendering, you would have a great chance of picking up early gastric cancer. Another example, abdominal pain, this thickening by the antrum, but there's this air fluid level here. That's concerning. That looks like a gastric ulceration, which indeed it is. When you look a little bit more carefully and you go for that coronal plane, just a beautiful out There's some wall thickening. There's the ulceration, the break in the mucosa. There's the out Sometimes the outpouching is walled off, sometimes there's lots of free air in the abdomen. You could see, when you look at this quickly, if you're not careful to think that's the stomach, you could blow it off as the duodenum, and then say, aha, I'm dealing with a duodenal diverticulum. You don't wanna make that mistake. I think you will agree it's much more obvious in the coronal than the axial, which is why we always look at the coronal views, but I think you can get a good feel by thinking of both of these together of what you need to do in the future another example pneumoperitoneum okay gastric ulcer duodenal ulcer diverticulitis you see thickening in the antrum and as you scan downward sometimes it can be hard to tell exactly where the ulceration is we follow it down a little bit more the vessels all look good There's thickening of the antrum There's thickening of the duodenum there's in addition to the air free fluid present it's a little bit tricky to precisely know and here's some enhancement this is not the stomach this ends up being duodenum and there's an active bleed there as well sometimes it's really hard to tell whether something's in the antrum or the duodenum particularly when you have a lot of inflammation nearby it's probably not going to matter because they're going to get endoscopy and you'll know for sure but i think it's somewhat trickier than people want to give it credit for Sometimes it's easy, but when you have a lot of inflammation and scarring uh, in that region, it can be quite a challenge. The truth for me here is what I know best. There's wool thickening of the stomach and duodenum. There's an ulcer and perforation. The patient needs surgery. And this was a four-sonometer duodenal ulcer. But again, I have to admit, if you called it a gastric ulcer, I wouldn't find fault in your diagnosis. And here's just a few more images showing you that very nicely as well now what about this case patient with a gi bleed now i mentioned you can see free fluid in a patient with a benign ulcer that perforates but here you see a lot of ascites to me the first thing i think about is malignancy then i look at the stomach the wall is really thickened yes you can have gastritis but the way you have the mucosa enhancement and the submucosal low density the way this infiltration to me i'm thinking about malignancy i'm thinking about gastric cancer maybe an ulceration you begin to worry here you see the fold thickening but i don't think you're going to be thinking this is an inflammatory process you come down a little further look at the thickening the asymmetry the differential enhancement between mucosa and submucosa very much something that always makes you think about malignancy and as we scan in a coronal view you see the ascites is really extensive small bowel seems to be adherent and pushed together this is a case of malignancy and here it is on the uh, cinematic rendering as well just a really nice example the wall thickening you see on cinematic the ulceration even better but you realize you're dealing with not only an ulceration and wall thickening but it's gastric malignancy diffuse thickening and extensive ascites so that was a gastric adenocarcinoma with perforating ulcer now in terms of gastric malignancy with perforation it's usually adenocarcinoma just tumors can ulcerate when they get big and lymphomas can have ulceration but i think typically we think about gastric cancer particularly when you have perforation. Patient's age, are in the mid to late 60s, and again, often a focal mass, but you can see diffuse infiltration. Another good example, thickening of the body and antrum of the stomach, there is an ulceration present. And this, as you go through the images, you recognize extensive adenopathy. And as I mentioned before, once you see adenopathy, it's not gonna be inflammatory disease. Yes, you can see a few local nodes with uh, an ulcer that's benign, but when you have bulky adenopathy, it's always gonna be malignancy. Beautiful example of a bleeding ulcer and infiltration in the patient's uh, uh, antrum and extensive left periodic and peripancreatic adenopathy. The 3D mapping, particularly good at showing the ulcer, showing the infiltration of the antrum, both on the greater and lesser curvature side. Here's the same patient with cinematic rendering, stomach distended, there's the infiltration, there's the narrowing of the antrum, there's the uh, patient's malignancy. And just a few more views with cinematic showing you that process. Again, this case is a nice example showing you that gastric outlet obstruction, the infiltration. We often look at the antrum, the wall thickening, up to 12 millimeters will be considered normal. Normally the stomach's five to seven millimeters. The antrum can be prominent, but it's prominent symmetric, not asymmetric. Now another case, this was a patient with GI bleed and abdominal pain. And to me, there's a bulky tumor here. Hey, maybe I thought for a second about a watermelon stomach, but it's not as vascular. And whatever this is seems to extend into the duodenum. Could it be a gist tumor? Could it be a lymphoma? It's really bulky and it's infiltrating. To me, this is classic for malignancy. And I might think about lymphoma because things that go from the antrum of the stomach into duodenum, you're thinking more lymphoma than adenocarcinoma. But whatever this is, it needs a biopsy. It's causing gastric outlet obstruction. And this was biopsied and this patient was lucky. It was a benign process. Lobular capillary hemangioma of the stomach. Now we see hemangiomas of the stomach and fibromas and lipomas and leiomyomas one to two centimeters. I've never seen such a bulky mass in the uh, antrum of the stomach going into duodenum, herniating in, beautiful, what a great case. I showed this in conference, of course, nobody got it right. Uh, Lobular capillary hemangiomas can occur in the esophagus, small bowel and colon and the stomach. Clinical presentation is anemia. So it's a very, really nice, unusual case. Pyogenic granuloma is a polyphoid form of capillary hemangioma, most commonly on the skin and in the oral and nasal mucosa. So this whole thing about capillary hemangioma, it goes beyond just the stomach throughout the GI tract. So it's a very, very unusual entity. And again, just a beautiful example. Here's a few more images of that. Really, the way it infiltrates the stomach, the way it goes into the duodenum, it's, it's herniating. It's really becoming an intersusception, and the patient's presenting with bowel obstruction. This was resected, the patient did well. Just a beautiful, beautiful example. And here's some more images showing you that process. Again, um, you know, it almost looks like the watermelon stomach but it's not as vascular as those processes, so it's not that. Also, that did not extend into the duodenum like this extended. Here, my best bet would have been an intersuscepting gastric adenocarcinoma. My second choice would have been something like lymphoma. My third choice was not going to be the correct answer. And here's just a few more images in this absolutely terrific case. Now, I mentioned before, we can also see um, emphysematous gastritis, which is an uncommon condition. Now. We think about air near the stomach. Well, that's a perforating ulcer, but this is an uncommon condition, high morbidity, high mortality, with this mucosal disruption and invasion of microorganisms into the gastric wall, producing intramural gas. Now, possibilities: aerobic and anaerobic bacteria, as well as fungal species. Uh, things like E. coli, Klebsiella, Enterobacter, Pseudomonas, and Candida are all possibilities. Air in the gastric wall can be seen in benign forms of gastric emphysema. So it's not always gonna be a crisis. If you see it incidentally, if the patient had a procedure, if the patient's on steroids, if the patient had a biopsy, a G2 placement, those are all the possibilities. Patients with emphysematous gastritis present with severe pain and potentially sepsis and shock. So it's not gonna be an incidental finding. Beautiful example here of air in the gastric wall, this emphyseminous gastritis, but you also see air in the portal venous system, which is a good sign that this patient has infarction. When you see gastric emphysema with air in the portal venous system, it typically is infarction, high morbidity. This patient needs a total gastrectomy if they're gonna survive. A very impressive example. Again, these are typically older patients, debilitated patients, And so uh, that explains also besides the disease process, the high morbidity and mortality, just a very nice example. Now, of course, we often see food or fluid layering out in the stomach. But when you look at all of the images, you see the air in the wall of the stomach, as well as the portal venous air. Just a very nice example showing it to you here as well again sometimes you can be confused we have the same issue with pneumatosis in the colon as its stool layering out but here it's typically easier here's another case with gastric emphysema small bowel emphysema and portal venous air impressive portal venous air look how extensive this air is in the gastric wall no difficulty compared to the prior case interesting there's air in the portal venous system In the SMV branches there's air in the right colon. This patient has significant infarction and this patient unfortunately is not going to make it. Here it is on the minimum intensity projection. Beautiful example showing you the air in the gastric wall, the air in the portal venous system, and air in colon and small bowel. All very nicely shown in this example. Now the last case I'm going to show you is a case of GI bleeding. It's been reported now that we see more frequently GI bleeding in patients who um, are post-COVID or have COVID. Here's a beautiful example of GI bleed. Stomach is filled with fluid, it's high density. There's an NG tube, that's active bleeding right there. That was a bleed from the left gastric artery. Beautiful example of high density blood throughout the stomach but the active bleeding site is very nicely seen. So we wanna be very careful in looking at the stomach. Again, we think of endoscopy as the first study, but a patient like this who had a lot of comorbidities, you don't wanna do endoscopy for, you don't wanna intubate, you don't wanna do more than you have to, but here it is very nicely, the active site of bleeding, and just a very nice example where CT was very good at making the right diagnosis. You see the differential between the arterial and the venous phase, and here it is really nicely on the coronal view, we really appreciate the site of bleeding and the active bleeding presence. So again, um, CT is very good for picking up the presence of blood and GI bleeding, be it in stomach, small bowel, or in the colon, but this is just a wonderful case of active GI bleeding. It also makes the point that when we do GI bleeding studies and you're worrying about colon or small bowel, you're also gonna scan the stomach, make sure the stomach's distended, because to your surprise, it may be gastric bleeding. Now one last thing I'll mention about gastric wall thickening, there's a lot been written now about some of the immunotherapies and some of the complications that you can see from immunotherapy. One is gastritis, and here's just a good example of a patient being treated with checkpoint inhibitors for melanoma. Beautiful example of gastric wall thickening. Looks like gastritis 100%, so I don't think that's going to be too difficult. We knew it wasn't malignancy, though in theory you couldn't exclude malignancy so sometimes you will get severe gastritis for chemotherapy particularly things like checkpoint inhibitors and here it is very nicely on the cinematic rendering as well a very nice example beautiful on the sagittal view beautiful on the sagittal view and here it is again on the coronal view so i've gone through a number of things with you gastric ulcerations i showed you some examples I showed you examples of gastric outlet obstruction and we looked at GI bleeding and we looked at gastric tumors. I think it's very important to remember that CT is really good at picking up early gastric pathology. It's very important, it's extremely important that you distend the stomach routinely. If you don't have good gastric distension, everything I told you during this 45 minutes of two parts is not going to help you all that much. My best advice, the number one takeaway message is good protocol. Speak to your text. Number two, look carefully. IV contrast is critical. Look at the wall thickening. Look at the appearance of the stomach. Look for bleeding. Look for ulcers. Potentially think about using 3D imaging, particularly cinematic rendering. And I think if you do all that, you're going to give incredible patient care. And with that, thank you much for your attention.